Welcome to the Unearthed Man podcast, the journey of becoming a conscious man. Hey all, Stephen here and welcome to episode 57 of the Unearthed Man podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Brett. He, he has a fantastic warmth about him and always has a poem or a saying that is relevant and thought-provoking. Now, a few days before recording this episode, I was due to go for my run and found an opportunity between rainstorms. When I hit the beach, it was like entering a planet I had never been on. No one was in sight due to all the rain, and as it was recently a high tide, the sand had been washed over by the water. Usually that would leave the sand wet, soft and smooth. However, in this case, the sand was dimpled like a golf ball due to the heavy rain that had just passed. I felt like an explorer discovering and walking on a beach for the first time. But then it actually hit me. I was not a new explorer on this beach, as as the traditional custodians had occupied this land for thousands of years before colonisation. And given their connection to the land, this would have been a regular occurrence for them. Coming down to an empty field beach with life and smelling fresh with life and smelling how fresh the air is after a beautiful summer shower. This is why I acknowledge the Wadarong peoples of the tradition as the traditional custodians of the land I was on and pay respect to the elders past, present and emerging. And before I jump too deep into the podcast today, I've got some actually exciting news that's really worth celebrating. The Unearthed Man podcast now has its first official sponsor. As, I'm all, as I am all about supporting local businesses, especially those aligned with the values of the Unearthed Man initiative and the podcast, a new sponsor is Surf Coast Wellness Rooms based in Torquay, Victoria, Australia. Now, as men, we spend much of the time looking after and caring for others and very little time in our self-care. So you now have an opportunity to change all that. By using the code THEUNEARTHEDMAN10 at the time of booking, you'll receive a 10% discount on any of their services, which includes float tanks, infrared saunas, massages, and salt therapy. So it's great to use before or after a day at the beach. Um, and you can find the link to their website and the code below in the show notes. Um, I've been over there. It's such an awesome space, and I'm really excited to have them on board. Now, a few other things to run through before we really get in with today's guest. First up, the Unearthed Men community. It's made up of men willing to support and be supported by other men. It continues to grow. If you're a man or know of a man who is seeking his tribe or his community, then please use the link in the show notes below to sign up. Alternatively, you can just send me a message via any of my social media channels. Secondly, please subscribe to the podcast via your preferred app and leave a review. The quickest way to enable the podcast to become more accessible worldwide to receive a five-star review. By doing this, you also acknowledge and thank my guests for their time, effort, and wisdom. And finally, if you're a man struggling with the daily grind, have constant feelings of guilt, shame, or anxiety, feeling irritated or frustrated, and feel you've lost track of who you are, the deeper inner feeling that there's got to be more to life than this, then expressions of interest for my eight-week men's empowerment program are now open. Now, as I'm only taking 10 men into each eight-week program this year, if you are interested, click the link below to join the, late, the wait list as it is filling fast and I'll reach out and we can have a bit of a chat. All right, now we've got all that out of the way. Now we get into the really exciting part, which is getting on with today's guest. So today's guest, he's a second half of the Dynamic Jewel of the Day podcast duo. He is a husband and father of two boys. He's currently pursuing a master's degree in turf grass science at the Ohio State University after ending an eight-year stint as an assistant golf course superintendent. He loves to read, work on his golf game, and cook in his few spare moments, and strives to add value to the lives of everyone he comes in contact with. As a guest on his podcast, we had the chance to have some great conversations around alcohol and how social norms appear. I'm looking forward to learning more about him and continuing this conversation. Welcome to the Unearthed Man podcast, Tyler Van Lindingham. Hey, Tyler, how are you, buddy? Good, Stephen. How are you? I oh, mate, excellent indeed. Um, as I said, so exciting to have you back on. I've enjoyed the couple of episodes that I spent with you and Nico, but uh, to get you on as a, as a guest on my podcast, um, I'm just really excited to have a good chat and see where we go. Yeah, and I mean, it's been an honor having you on our show twice now. Uh, I mean, learned so much from you in those conversations and just being able to return the favor here and get to experience this end of the the computer screen has been been really looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, awesome. Um, just for those people who want to know, what I'm going to do is put the links to when I was on uh, the guys' podcast because, and then definitely subscribe to their podcast. Same thing. Jump on, have a listen to them. They do awesome work and um, give them a five star review because, you know, again, 
people putting time and effort. This is personal time and effort that goes into just being able to put messages out for people about, you know, growth and well-being and health and, and different ideas. And these two guys do an, an amazing job. Um, so yeah, definitely do that. So Tyler, what we want to do is just have a little bit of exploration as into yourself, um, what yeah. that looks like. So that's what the, this podcast is a bit about. And as I said, we, we touched on a few things um, when I was a guest on, on your podcast. Um, at times it did feel like sometimes I was interviewing you a little bit, but you were very open and very, <laughs> very honest and vulnerable about some of the things that are going on. But um, yeah, let's yeah. talk a bit about you and, and your background and you know, life in the US and you know, what was that like growing up for you and so forth? Yeah, sure. I mean, so you touched on a couple of the big things there in in that great intro, uh, which I appreciate. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a it's been great. I I, I don't want to. I have not led a life so far that has been the typical story of like, oh, I had the worst childhood ever and turned it all around, and now like here we are. Right? It's everything was very comfortable. You know, sure, grew up with the same limiting beliefs that a lot of other people did around money, alcohol, partying, um, just how to live life in general. Not saying that a lot of those things are bad, um, but things that I've definitely had to take a look at and reevaluate and work through. But um, really right now, like you said earlier, uh, I was eight years uh, assistant golf course superintendent and was in the perfect position to make the jump to the next level. Uh, something that I'd aspire to do for a long time was be uh, a head superintendent, you know, the, mm -hmm. the big cheese at, <laughs> at the, uh, at the golf course. And just after being in, in that career path for a long time, there was just a lot of things that I noticed that were lacking. Um, you know, the time at home was minimal, okay. you know, having, having two young boys now, uh, a lot of, I wasn't able to bring my best self home at the end of the day. And I had read countless times you shouldn't give all of yourself to your boss and then you know your family gets the leftovers right mm. and i had started to do that a lot and thank god you know my wife is amazing as she is and put up with that for a very long time right yeah and so once i began to kind of realize that and and all the guys in the industry too i mean they're great people but they just have some bad habits and so yep. i jumped on with those bad habits too and things compound over time and you know like we had talked about last time you, you come to that moment of your seemingly rock bottom the holy crap i actually like really need to figure my life out kind of and not to make it a huge a huge deal or anything but yeah i mean i think everybody comes to that kind of impasse at some point and it's for me it's all about like i wish i had gotten there sooner mm to be able to change it. And so I'm, I've always been kind of thinking about how can, how can I help people get to that seemingly low place faster or just totally bypass the low place to be able to start actually getting that intrinsic motivation to actually change things that they want, you know? Mm, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think I understand what you're saying from that. I think the interesting thing is that, um, you know, Life and nature are, are hand in hand. There's a there's a universal saying that you know, as above, as below. You know, so for every mountain, there's a there's a valley. You yeah. know, so 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 the thing is that you know to 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 sometimes you know the people who find the most beautiful places when they go hiking had to have go over through a desert and over you know climb over hollow rocks and everything else and get to the top and then they see this amazing valley that they want to go down into. Yeah, and then they can come back out the other side. And so I think sometimes it's um you know I think it's how do we help people navigate when they're down in the valley? And mm -hmm. how can they actually get the best without being lost and feeling stuck in the valleys? How do we actually help them come back out and go, oh, I can get perspective. You know, there is some great stuff when I get back up on top of the mountain and I'm actually feeling, you know, the best and highest person myself. So, you know, I think that's something we can, you know. If you, with you guys doing the work and and that is just helping how do we get people th navigating through that space yeah I, I totally agree with you and i thing that i've always thought about and why i've actually really tried to appreciate my time in the valley and working my way out is is i feel like in order to be able to help somebody through that like you had to have been there mm -hmm. i don't know if that's fully true but at least for me when i was trying to figure things out 
I had, I mean, this day and age, we have information everywhere. We have books everywhere. We have courses and all these things, right? And we can get all this information on how we should change our state and how we should think differently and how we should wake up in the morning and the first five things that we should do. We have all of these, all of these things. And yet it just falls on deaf ears because we're just not ready to listen or the people that we're hearing it from, they just, we don't know their story enough. We haven't connected with them to know that, okay, they created these things either because they were there too. And this is how they got out of it, which is what I gravitate towards. And Mm which would be a recommendation for me is always ask advice of people that have either done what you're trying to do, or they're in the process of doing, not somebody that's you know, just writing a book about something that they've never accomplished. Right. Cause it's, it's so hard to learn from that. And it's so hard to actually be able to implement all of those strategies. Cause I mean, for years I had read on things on how to improve my sleep and lose weight and eat better and get stronger and get smarter and speak better and all of these things. Yet I had this information, but I didn't do anything with it. Yeah. And finding that catalyst or so is what you find at the bottom of the valley. (laughs) I I think so. I think the, um, I think you touched on a really key word in there and the, the word was connected. You know, as humans, we actually don't connect intellectually even though people feel they do they love having intellectual conversations right yeah but ultimately it's not that level that they've actually connected to it's connecting emotionally and being go, yeah that's exactly how i feel like mm-hmm. having someone sit down there and tell their story about you know heading down the path of you know why they got into alcohol and and how they how they drank and how they had that binge night and they wake up two days later and you know how they felt bad and you know and all these things and you can sit there and go oh my god like you like have you just reached inside of me and 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 felt you've peeled out everything that i'm feeling and then you you can go for that because that's where i think the deep connection is 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 how we can actually get to that that point you know, and, and work our way through that. And I think that's the difference between maybe some of the academia books that are read, you know, here's the theoretical mm-hmm. way to wake up every morning and be good versus the guy that actually, you know, was 420 pounds and actually found his way to having this magnificent, you know, lifestyle because right. <laughs> when they write it, they talk to the emotions that they went through to, you know, to end, to end up down in the valley. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then they worked out how to actually get back up on the, on the mountainside again. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. And, it's I think just to give your your audience a little perspective or background, the my well just since we've been talking about alcohol before, just give a little background on that. And like for me, it uh it wasn't a, a daily problem. It wasn't I had I couldn't function without it. It was four, five, six times a year would just be extreme overconsumption leading to bad things happening. And so that the, the moment for me was I had, so my wife works, uh, like a noon, noon to midnight shift. And so I'm home with the boys those nights, obviously until she gets home. And so there's, it was one Sunday night dinner, my in-laws, everybody was, had a couple drinks. I came home, continued the party at home, woke up, like passed out downstairs at like four in the morning. And like the first thing that I thought about was I couldn't remember if I had put my kids to bed. Mm. And so I started like playing the movie right in my head of my two and a half year old walking around the house. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, it's time for bed, you know, whatever. And so I looked at the baby monitor and thankfully they were both in bed. So I did put them to bed, but that just total shock of like, oh my gosh, just seeing that movie in my head of like what could have happened was, I mean, that for me was like, okay, I've been trying to fix this problem by myself for a long time. I need to ask somebody else to help me. And so was able to find a great little group at um, actually at Ohio State um, just to be able to share like things that I had tried before. and, And honestly, the without telling people other people's stories or information, it was uh 
it was kind of eye-opening realizing that my problem wasn't really that bad in comparison to what other people were going through Mm. and that just made me look at and be like okay this i can handle this like i can get get through this and um i mean it's been great since then you know it was a pretty quick turnaround once i got to the bottom of the valley yeah right it was a it was a long way kind of down and it's just it's kind of funny to think of because i feel like when you would just picture a valley it's obviously can be super deep but then you might look at the climb out to be insurmountable but for me like once i understood where in the valley that i was it was just it was relatively quick to the top once i was implementing the things i was trying to that i that i realized that i had to change yeah and, and i like it that you there's a couple of things that you know you touched on there you know um first of all you know whether it be a drug use and alcohol use you know porn use whatever else it doesn't have to be this you know painted picture of you know you're drinking half a dozen beers every day or you you know you're coming home and that's what you're doing like there is you know there is these one-off events that actually scare the daylights out of us that you know when they happen and and you realize what could have been the ramifications you know um i i remember you know when i was sort of younger and i was drinking and um i know we we were out and about and we end up trying to put um in a schoolyard one of those sort of mental benches where you basically got you know the, the there's seats on the side and you've got the big table in there and they're all metal and us. We're trying to throw that up on the roof. This thing landed on my shoulder, like Ooh. literally on my shoulder. And I've still got a <laughs> scar today from it. Ouch. Like if that landed on my head, I'm gone. Like, and this is yeah. how crazy there was, right? And so trust me, yeah, I mean, that wasn't the wake up call, but these little incidents that happened, like, you know, and it wasn't mm-hmm. because, you know, and that was just a one night binge. You just went crazy. You think you're Superman and, and away you go. And, and and as you said, for me, the thing that you've done, which is awesome, is I can't do this alone. And this is one thing that men struggle to understand because they feel weak. They feel by asking for help, they're weak. That whole, I can't ask for instructions on how to get to point A to point B type of thing. You know, it's like, I have to do this because I'm the man. It's like, just reach out and ask for help because you've been amazed. Yeah how many other people are out there and how much strength you gain, not only by you getting help, but, you know, I'm going to guess, uh, Tyler, that in those sessions you're with, you're helping all those other people as well because you're expressing yeah. your story. Not only are they, they're, they're going, oh, my God, like that happened to me as well. And so if Tyler can do this, maybe I can actually do it. You know, I might drink more than he does, but I've seen him come out the other side. And maybe then if he can do it, he's inspiring me to do the same thing. So we, we sometimes think that by not showing our the weakness that you know it's hurting us, but the reality is we could be helping so many other people purely by asking for help and getting them to jump in and help us out. Yeah. And I, I found tremendous value in being able to share and getting to help the other people in the group since, like I said, it was a pretty quick rise back out of the valley and so instead of feeling like i don't belong in the group anymore because i don't feel like i have a problem i could see that how much of what i was saying and sharing was helping other people and they were trying some of the things that that i had had done to to change and ways that i had shifted my mindset and stuff and and the only reason i was there is because of how long it took me to get down there like for years it was always like the next year was, okay, I'm cutting back. Okay. I'm going to stop. Okay. This isn't going to happen anymore. Mm. Right. Kind of thing. And so I had tried so many things. And when I would hear people say like, oh, I'm going to do this, that I'd be like, that didn't work for me. And let me explain why it didn't work. And it was just able to expedite the process for a lot, a lot of other people. And I think the biggest thing for me, it was just that, that feeling of, the not allowing myself like when i was on the way on the upswing my mentality was anytime somebody asked me like oh hey do you want something to drink oh hey what can i pour you or what are you drinking tonight kind of thing it was i i'm not i'm good like i don't need to and all even though i had so many reasons not to drink like trying to lose weight want to get healthier i have to go to the gym in the morning so i don't want to feel like complete crap right so many Mm -hmm. reasons the only thing that i could think about was i can't drink because i have a problem 
And that was the only thing I thought about. And that made me feel like shit. Mm. And even though it was working for me, even though I was making progress on the inside, it was like this, this isn't working. And what I was able to do was by kind of switching that mindset and allowing myself like, okay, if I want to have a drink tonight or two, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to let myself do that. And just by switching the mindset of I can no longer have this in my life to I'm going to allow myself, it totally changed the way that I felt inside. I'm still not, I rarely consume anything anymore. You know, there's a, one event here or there, I might have two drinks or something. Mm-hmm. But just the fact of saying I can if I want to. But I actually don't want to because I have so many other reasons that why I don't want to right now. Yeah. And yeah. not and not focusing on the I can't because I have a problem. That was just completely crippling me. Uh, that that's a really, really great point you raise there. So so what I pick up on from that is it's the difference from saying, um, I'm coming from a place of almost shaming and guilting myself. So I'm still Mm. living this shame and guilt. And so I'm going to label myself as having a problem and everything else. And so if I go and drink them, I'm a bad person and so forth to actually stand completely in your power and going, I'm actually making a choice and I choose. And it's a very, it's a, it's a conscious choice as to what I'm actually doing. And, you know, and I'm not going to shame and guilt myself because I, I allowed myself in my power to go, I can have those two drinks. I'm okay about it. I can stop at that point in time and then celebrate the, the ability mm-hmm. to do that. And and so, yeah, it's a great point that you come in. I think that's a really good angle for anybody. You know, like some people, I some guys that I work with, you know, they go, I want to give up drinking. I want to give up smoking, you know, and I'm like, cool. In the next eight weeks, you're not going to. And they're like, whoa, hang on a minute. Like, isn't that the whole reason? Like, hang on. And I'm like, Unless you have the most amazing willpower, because you know I mm. went cold turkey and I know how challenging it was. It's like let's just work through a process on this. Like first of all, let's get you into your power and and actually don't go. I have to stop immediately because that's great for the first week, and then willpower and all these other things start to fade and and everything else. And then you're just going to guilt yourself into you know you're setting yourself up to be in the guilty world. So yeah, yep. I love that. I love that approach, which is just how do I move myself into a world of being totally in control and actually coming from my place of power. And then you can do anything you want. You know, and the interesting thing is, I, I, I'm going to guess at some point, as you said, you probably drink less often because, purely because you're going, you know what, I could, but why would I? You know, like yeah. I'm having fun. I'm still the party guy. I'm still, you know, I'm still enjoying myself and I'm having great conversations. So I actually don't need that anymore. And it, to a degree, you become more free and, and more empowered the more you go along as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's just really funny. Like, cause I would always, every time we'd go out somewhere, it'd be one, two, three drinks. We go out to dinner or something. If I meet some friends to watch a game or, something like that. Like it was just always stuff that I did. And I honestly don't do a whole lot of that anymore. And when I do, like it's, it's, I almost prefer to have like a, a non-alcoholic beer or something like that. Something that still tastes relatively good, but it just doesn't need it because I've just had so many times of uh, drank in a little excess, feel like crap. And it's like, I don't, this just ruins everything else that I want to do. And it's, it's once you're for me, it was like once the, the um, pain of the repercussions of whatever act it is that you're doing that leads you to that pain. Once that is, is less than the pleasure you get from not doing it or the way that you feel or the way that the things that you can do in absence of it, it's just so much freeing or it's, it's, it's very freeing to just be able to be able to wake up and just be you. You don't Mm. have to go through three hours of trying to get your head on straight. Right. And it just, at at some point just becomes not worth it. And 
I do think it all is a progression, like the that cold turkey phase of the mentality of I can't do this because bad things are going to happen. I think that's can be a necessary part of it. But that is just what laid the foundation to be able to get to the point of being able to make the conscious choice, because we we as humans can talk ourselves in and out of basically anything, right? (laughs) We could justify anything that we want to do, any vice that we have. We can somehow word it to where it's going to have a positive outcome and be like, oh, great, sweet, let's do it. Yeah. But to be able to make that conscious choice, knowing that you can stop at a certain point. And then, like you said, which I love is celebrate that. That's like, that's probably the most important thing is that positive reinforcement, which is honestly something that I honestly don't think that I was doing, Mm. uh, but which I want to implement now because. It's just that positive reinforcement of, of having a good outcome from a semi-dangerous action yeah. if you can't stop, right? So uh, I, I love that. I love that um, that celebration point you made. Well, I, I think part of that, it's an interesting thing because the, the reason why that, that that's, is important, as you just said before, we can talk ourselves into anything and justify anything. And that's a subconscious behavior that's actually sneaks in from underneath that we're not aware of. The celebratory part of it is actually reframing the subconscious behavior. And it's actually giving you the reward because, you know, we spoke earlier about the fact of, you know, coming from a place of guilt or shame versus coming from a place of um, choice is really coming from a place of constantly celebrating who we are and what we're actually doing. And if we can actually just subtly keep changing and celebrate, so you get home that night and say, you know what, I could have had those two beers and I didn't. Yeah, go me. Like, you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be anything great. It can be, you know, stand in front of the mirror as you're brushing your teeth. Go, yeah, hey, proud of you, brother. You know, brush your teeth, hop into bed and whatever happens to be. It's just, it sounds really small and subtle, but, you know, if you do it over and over, it, it's, it reminded me of something I just saw yesterday. Um, and I think Arnold Schwarzenegger said this, and mm. I put it up as a story. He goes, People tell me they can't find time, but imagine if you read a book for an hour a day. At the end of the year, you've actually read for 365 hours. Imagine how much you could learn. Imagine Mm -hmm. you went to the gym for an hour a day. Imagine how good you're going to be if you did 365 hours worth of fitness work or gym work. So let's bring this back in the conversation. Imagine if you just spent one minute per day celebrating yourself at the end of the year, you've actually spent 365 minutes, which is what, six hours yeah. of celebrating yourself. If I said to you, hey, Tyler, go in the room and celebrate yourself for six and a half hours, you're going to go, go away, man. I'm not going to do it, right? But that one minute every day adds up over a year. And then you could do it for two minutes or three minutes. Like you could then do it four times during the day or five times during the day. Imagine how your life changes by that one subtle change of just going, yeah, me, good job, you know, and and those sorts of things. I also loved on a statement you made about, you know, when I do this, it ruins everything was a statement you actually made. And and it's, again, I I love that sort of statement because that, that just, you know, how many men out there when they do something just go, yeah, you know, going good, going good, going good, going good, fell off. Ruined everything, <laughs> no. Yeah. And then there's the choice: like, do they go, oh, fuck it, you know, I'm useless, I'm no good, or whatever else. So I'm going to stay in the old world, or have mm-hmm. they built up that that um, strength, that that muscle of celebration and go, yeah, okay, so I ruined it once, I can start again, and then I can move my way forward. Um, and so for me, I work. I, I think in the world now, of, um, is it adding value to my life or detracting from my life? And and we, yeah. and we don't understand that everything we do in every minute is a choice. You and I are choosing to have this conversation. We could choose not to, you know, and yeah. we could choose where we go on this conversation, right? It's not something that's, that we've just gone, oh, well, for 75 minutes, we're going to get together. It's like, no, no, we're going to choose what we do or don't want to talk about as we go along. And when we finish this, we get to choose what we do or don't do, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to eat, who I'm going to talk to, how I talk to others, how I talk about myself, to myself, about myself, to others. We get to choose that, and so how much of that can we bring to our conscious mind, and and then we can move away along that, which then helps with these other little journeys, you know, and, and yeah, and we don't have to go from hamburger eating, you know, 
chip eating, drinking person overnight to be, you know, smashing the gym every day. It's not going to work. We're not structured that way, but mm-hmm. it's a long game. Play the long game. You know, you're a golf guy, right? Oh, they, yeah. they talk they talk about like you know play the long game <laughs> like you know you know it's like well they well, the drive for show and putt for the dough or something like that but you know exactly it's, right often, often it's like if you get the long game really wrong off the tee you, you're in the bushes the whole time and life is just chaos you're always trying to chip out of the bushes but if you can least land on the long game get yourself 300 yards down there off the tee you've set yourself up for the next choice that you can make you know, the next yep. club selection and what you're going to do. And, and I think life is, is really reflective in those moments. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I, I love, uh, you made me think of uh, something that I, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think, uh, that the quote that I was uh, was speaking to was from uh, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits. Yep. He's, he said, we don't rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. And with what you just said there about the long game and setting yourself up for success is just, it's creating those systems for, for us and for our own lives. And it's, it's not, like you said, we can't go from the couch potato to gym hero who works out for two hours a day in a snap. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's, if, if someone can do that, I, I want their genes and their DNA because that's incredible if you have sustainability with it. I mean, mm-hmm. I can go work out two hours tomorrow, but it's not going to happen on Sunday or whatever day it is, right? But being able to just the, because the other concept that he talks about is the the two minute rule. And that is, if you break down your list of habits that you want to start improving on, whether it's it's drinking less or getting a little bit more sleep, going to the gym, drinking more water, whatever, reading or listening to podcasts and audiobooks right there's if you just break that down and just show up for 2 minutes that's all that you need to start building that system you don't have to cuz the problem that i faced is i'd write this huge amazing routine out right that was going to change my life it was foolproof yep. but everything was 10 minutes of that 20 minutes of this 30 minutes of that 45 minutes of that and all of a sudden i have a 10 hour routine and I, I only have an hour to do it. It's not, it's not possible. But if you can break those things down, and the example that that he gives, I saw it in an Instagram video, was he had a, a client of his lose over a hundred pounds going to the gym for just five minutes every day for six months. Mm. And he built that muscle of showing up because that's really what it's about. You know, we have to, we have to show up. For ourselves, we have to show up for our families. We have to show up for uh, our job. Sometimes, unfortunately, if we if we like it or, or not to, we have to we have to be present. We have to not say, "Oh, I'll do it tomorrow," because once you say, "I'll do it tomorrow," once it's so much easier the next day. And I've been a victim of that a million times, and I still don't know that I've perfected that (laughs) mentality right but it's it's very it's just something else that that is is freeing like i was talking about earlier having a great system set in place that just allows you to show up consistently to the things that you want to in your life is really going to start to make the gears turn and the things work and i just i think it's just going to benefit you so much more yeah, I, I agree, and that that book, Atomic Habits, is, is an amazing book. I, yeah, I, I like the the thing that you know he talks about. You know, it's probably aligned to this person spending the six months, and he said the first thing you do is set the alarm, and just hop out of bed. Yeah, and then do that for a week. Like literally, you could go back and hop back into bed if you want to, but set your alarm, put it in a different room, hop out of bed. And then, and then, mm-hmm. cool. Just celebrate the fact that you got out of bed to turn the alarm off. And even if you got back into bed, doesn't matter. And then the next week, you hop out of bed and you actually put your gym clothes on, but you don't go anywhere. You actually literally don't go to the gym. Like it, it is these little two minute moments. I go to bed, excellent. Now I'm up. I might as well put my gym clothes on. And you yep. might go and sit in the couch and have your coffee and your you know bacon and eggs for breakfast. Whatever happens to be, it doesn't really matter, right? But you did that. And then the next one is you go, cool. I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna go and sit in my car in the garage. So you've actually gone from bed into clothing into the car and go. You still haven't left the house. You still haven't even made it to the gym. And and, and he works his way to the point that all you do is walk into the gym, like you take up a free seven day membership, 
and you literally walk in and walk around the gym and then walk back and hop in your car and go home again. Like it's cost you nothing. <laughs> right. But now you've gone from doing nothing to getting up, getting dressed, getting in your car, driving to the gym, walking to the gym and driving home again. And you've built that muscle. Yep. And, and and those, as you said, they're little. They're they're all little two minute moments that just slowly add up. Um, and and I think that's such a powerful thing for us to to think through on and what we can actually do. Um, just a, I had a, a um, I had a revelation recently, and and to your, here's my ten hour program routine. Like I'm the same. Like he's yeah, read all the books <laughs> ever. I got to do this routine. You know, right. Aubrey Marcus has a great setup of routines and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, I got to get up and meditate every day, and then I got to go for a swim in the ocean every day. And then I've I realized the other day is that I've stopped meditating. But then I get up, put on my swim gear, and walk bare feet, basically down to the beach and walk along the beach. So it takes me 15 minutes to where I want to go for a swim. And I swim for about 30 minutes in the water in the ocean, um, and it's about 19, 20 degrees at the moment. So just in my board shorts, so it's fresh, but it's nice. And then I walk home. So I've actually spent 30 minutes walking and 30 minutes in the ocean. I've actually realized I'm combining meditation and swimming at the same time. As long as I'm mindfully present as I'm walking along the beach, I'm not thinking yeah. of all the other things that are going on. I'm just watching the sand. I'm just seeing what's happening around me. I'm seeing the subtleness between, you know, where the sand is, where the seaweed's gone up, you know, what are the seagulls doing? Like you know, hearing the birds in the trees as, as you're walking along the beach, like these little things, that's meditation. So yeah. it is, and it's gratitude and it's actually feeling alive and it's being connected because I'm barefoot with the earth. It's like there's grounding, meditation, and exercise. And I've rolled them into one, effectively, you know, one hour X or one thing per day, rather than going, I need to swim for 30 minutes and I need to meditate for an hour and everything else. So we can also be creative. And that way I had this limiting belief system. And then I realized, oh, hang on a minute, I'm doing it all as just one combined activity. So where else can we do that in our life where we just have a different recognition about what we're actually doing? Yeah, that's a great point. And how you can incorporate that into the rest of rest of your day, I feel like is a, a very, very large question mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would probably have to have a lot of trial and error, at least as I'm trying to unpack it right now, because to your point, like being able to combine certain things in a way that it's not detracting from one another, because that's, I see as one danger, right? If you're trying to combine so many things, you might not be experiencing like the full potential or the full value of what you could be getting from that. Mm. I'm not saying outside of, I'm, I'm speaking directly outside of your, like your morning routine thing, that those things are amazing to be able to combine just like how you outlined. But if you're trying to combine doing some sort of work at home with spending time with your kids or family and trying to also make dinner and you're trying to accomplish all of these things just to get them done, to just check those things off the box, because that's how I had viewed a lot of the extra things that were just the daily tasks that I had to do, right? If I had to, I, I viewed it as I had to babysit my kids, like, oh, it's my turn, time to watch them, instead of being like grateful and appreciative that I can actually spend time with them. Yeah. Right. And it's just, I wouldn't want to get so caught up in getting, maximizing my time so much that all that I'm thinking about is my time management. And to like what you said, when you're out walking on the beach, just being present and noticing those things. I think that's important with everything mm. that we do, especially if we're trying to make some pretty monumental changes in our life, noticing how we're going through those things. Cause it's all part of, it's all part of our story, right? And if we want to be able to help somebody else do what we did and do it faster, we have to be able to remember those emotions. We have to be remember like what states of mind, what perspectives, what ways of thinking about this actually helped me, what didn't help me, because it's all something that hopefully you can share at some point that someone's going to be able to understand. Nobody, yeah. nobody wants to just hear the, well, I was here and now look at me, I'm here. And all I did was this one thing and that it was all great. But there's so many chapters from those two points. That's what 
that's what people like me need to read. That's what I need to see to be able to get the full value of, of how, okay, how do I go about executing this? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. And then um, the first of all, to all the guys out there who are dads and your partner goes away for dinner or on a weekend, you're not the babysitter, you're the dad. <laughs> <laughs> like your babysitter is a non-family person you bring in to look after your kids, right? That's your accountability and responsibility. Stop diverting the responsibility from yourself. <laughs> I know every lady out there and every mum out there goes, stop. I can tell me you're babysitting your own kids. <laughs> Trust That's me. how I used to think yeah, about exactly, it. I don't think yeah. about it anymore. Yeah, no. I, I agree. I used to say it all the time. My wife used to, Jackie used to sh- shred me. <laughs> oh, kids. Okay, I know. I'm just joking. Anyway. Um, but you touched on some really good points there. And it's like, how do we be completely present? And, and for me, the presence is, how can I find the f- most subtlest detail in what's going on, not to be an OCD or a detailed person. Like when I'm with the kids and I'm playing, can I notice that little glint in the eye? Can I notice that change of facial expression, that little laugh? Am I hearing the little laughter? Am I actually thinking about my work stuff while I'm pretending over here to be playing with them? Like, am I picking up on these little, small, subtle things of, wow, that was how clever, how they did this and how they did this. And then, and so you say, okay, kids, now I've got to go and cook dinner. Right, so you guys can you know, watch telly. And then when, when you're eating, cooking dinner, like how immersed are you in being able to actually see the subtleties in, in the different shapes of the potatoes you might be peeling or, you know, the different colours of, of the orange and the carrots that you're doing? Yeah, you know, like all these, how can you bring that into your life? Because if you could start to recognise that, then you know you're being completely present, you know, and, and how much of each piece you know, outside of a raw potato, but how much of those other bits of vegetables are you just putting in your mouth and just having a nibble on? And so you're feeling it and you're tasting it along the way through. And rather than just how quickly can I chop up all this stuff and throw it into a dish and put it in the you know, cock pot so I can get back to my social media or get back to what I thought was important. Yeah. Um, you know, and for me, like, I, I love golf. Um, I haven't, it's something that's, uh, yeah, I keep telling Jackie, she's got to earn more money so I can actually take up back up my golf membership and buy that good set of golf clubs. But you know, there is something about that two hours, if nine holes is two hours, and I always thought, you know, 18 is about four hours. Like, mm-hmm. how, again, present can you be? Like, are, are you listening to the birds in the trees? Are, are you seeing what's around you? Like, yeah, you might walk with two or three guys having a chat, but it, no one's balls always land in the same spot. There's always a time you're off on your own and you've wandered mm-hmm. off. Like, how present are you at that moment? You know, and, and how how angry are you because you put it in the trees versus – you're out, you're out in the fresh air, but it's sunshine or a bit of rain, you know, like you just, that's life. Like it doesn't matter with landing the trees. I know we're all very competitive and we want to get that lower score, but sometimes, you know, <laughs> are you taking anger to the next ball or are you actually allowed to, allowed, allowing yourself to actually just enjoy the game that is a game of golf? Because unless you're a Tiger Woods or some of these other guys that are actually it's their professional gig, you know, yeah, it's it's just a bit of it's a hobby, <laughs> right? Well, it's a great it's golfers. a great point. It's a great point because that's that's a great mental strategy for the game, especially in in competition, is focusing on being present. Right? I, I remember back in high school when I was playing for my high school team, our our coach would say you know, in between shots or in between notice, notice the trees. If you're, if you're results oriented, if you're thinking about the score, you're going to post at the end of the round. If you're thinking about like you alluded to, I'm mad. I hit it in the trees. And that's what you're thinking of. All of those things are going to impact your next shot. So being able to not thinking about those things, which is extremely difficult, let me tell you, but Mm -hmm. once you figure it out, you can, but you can even boil it down to, there was a point for a while where I was counting steps in between shots. I was looking at the ground or looking at the trees or the sky, and I was just one, two, three, and then I'd get to my shot. Like, all right, what am I going to do here? Because we almost need that time. Uh, we need to occupy our brain for that time. Otherwise, we're going to be drawn to all the negative baloney that is what we just did on the last previous shot or the previous hole. Or we're worried about, hey, we're shooting our best score ever. We just made three birdies in a row. Let's not mess it up. 
you can't get it, it works both ways. You can't mm. get too high. You can't get too positive, too fired up, and you can't get too low. And I mean, it just that's why I love golf so much, because it it just applies to everything else that we can go through. It's such a great microcosm for all of that. I mean, you were talking about cooking. I was watching um, a video. Do you know who Roy Choi is? I think I've heard the name. Yeah. Yeah, so he he's a professional chef, restaurateur guy. Um, he was the guy. I don't know if you or anyone that's listening has seen uh, the Chef Show uh, with John Favreau. He's kind of the the uh, chef that trained him for the movie Chef that John Favreau starred in. But he was doing this cooking masterclass that my mom and I were watching, and we were cooking rice, and he just talked about it so perfectly. Where because a lot of times you got to wash you got to wash the rice. Mm-hmm. Unless you're buying Uncle Ben's minute rice in in the store or something like that, but when you're yeah, actually cooking and real, please, and please don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're cooking real rice, you you got to wash it, you know, four, five, six, seven times. And as he was doing it on on the show, it was like this is some of the best times that I've ever had in the kitchen with with my mom just washing rice. You know, feeling feeling the grains kind of fly through your fingers move around your hand, getting that water clear each time that, that you wash it. And you can just take a minute to not think about that workload you have to do later or whatever task it is that's awaiting you once you're done eating dinner, but just be able to appreciate what you're doing. I mean, I love that you brought that cooking thing up because just being able to be present and appreciate, show gratitude for what you're doing. It's all part of the it's all part of the progression. Everything mm-hmm. that we do is is all part of a process. And the thing that I'm trying to do this year is really start to enjoy that process. Yeah. Because we're so we just we just want to have this instant gratification, right? We want to change all the things that we don't like about us and have it instantly become better. We want to all of these things just throw it in the microwave and out it's ready to go. But everything just takes time and it's just in learning how to enjoy the process is something that I've been attempting and it's, it's been challenging, but it's very rewarding when you're, when you kind of get lost in the process. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, One of the things that I had, I'd been reading lately, which again, reframe my mind when we talk about time is, you know, Newtonian time is 24 hours is 24 hours, 60 seconds is 60 seconds. Like it's just, that's just a block of time. Mm-hmm. And and then, whereas Einstein time is just relative, like right? time is relative to what's actually taking place around you. You know, if you're watching something really bad or boring, it's going to take a long time or, you know, work might go long. You know, I had a really long day today. It's sort of like, well, no, you know, arguably you had the same amount of time as everyone else. So Newtonian time is that time is outside of our control because it's set, fixed, and it just, just happens to us. Einstein time and relativity is you have the ability to create time. So when someone says, I don't have time to do this, it's like we actually do. You just chose to go to that meeting you didn't have to go to. You just chose to scroll social media. You just chose to watch that Netflix series. You just chose Mm -hmm. to sleep in that extra 30 minutes. Like it's all relative to what you want to actually do. So if you want to, you know, start doing these little two-minute things and everything else, how can you have a mindset of I'm going to create time for that subtle habit to start to take place in my life? And if 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 you're not doing it, then you're actually not sitting in your power again. You're actually you're allowing you're externalizing and going. I'm controlled by other factors outside of me, as opposed to you know what is important to me and am I creating time in my life to be able to make these things happen? You know, you you and I doing podcasts. Like we create the time and space in our lives to not only record but do the production of it and then put it out to other people and then promote it. You know, we create that time. We could be using that time for anything else we wanted to. And if we're really yeah. enjoying it, like this chat, time goes relative, relatively quickly. And at the yeah. end, we always go, geez, I wish we could t- talk a bit longer. <laughs> you know, like, I know. <laughs> right? So, so. For me, that's the other thing I would put out there that when we're talking about when we're doing all these activities, it's like you have all the time available to you. 
what what are you choosing to do in that window and 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 what where are you shuffling the decks so that it's actually again valuating maybe not value detracting yeah that's a that's a great question i mean it's being able to i mean obviously a lot of it is is having your vertical alignment right right being able to prioritize effectively and then you can start to assign things that are important to you that you want to spend your time on and a great exercise that I came across like three times in a week was the seven levels deep exercise of you have your starting question, which if you want to just look at success is what is important to me about being successful? And it's probably going to be some surface level answer, right? Like, oh, to make more money or to have more time or wh- whatever. But when you keep going deeper, it's it's also been called the seven levels of why when you keep going deeper and the, the next question is what is why is it important to you to make more money right and so you just keep going these seven levels and at the end you kind of get to what is like your mission statement for your life like what is everything that i should be centering all of my actions around what is that sentence or two sentences And the interesting thing with that is if you change the question a lot and you go from what is important to me about being successful and you put something as weird as what is it, what is important to me about eating this specific way or what is important to me about watching this TV series. And when you continue to go seven levels down, you're going to find a lot of times you're going to have the same answer at that seventh level for a multitude of different questions. And that, at least for me, has acted as a great filtration process for what mm-hmm. I should be spending my time on. If it if I'm getting to the same answer, okay, this might be an activity or something that I should pursue. If it doesn't generate the same answer, or at least somewhat close, it's probably not going to add value to me or at least what I perceive is valuable to what I want to do. And I found that that's just, it's a really interesting tool. Uh, And anybody just search seven levels deep, you'll, it'll pull up a PDF document and it'll um, there's even an example uh, that's filled out too, to, to kind of get you started. And it's been a great exercise to have that, like I said, that filtration process to be able to filter out the noise of things that you might think, are going to help you or might totally change your life in a positive direction. But if it doesn't actually net that level seven that you really feel deeply about, maybe it's worth taking another look at. Awesome. <clears throat> I love that. And it's interesting. That's the second time I've heard seven levels deep in the last 24 hours. So I actually probably need to really go and look into that one. Um, yeah. And the other thing that made that came out of me is that there's also a book, I can't remember the author, it's called about the one thing. So once you go on to your seven levels deep, that becomes your one thing. Mm-hmm. And then go and do everything associated with that one thing because yep. that's what's going to give you joy and happiness and, and everything else and all the other stuff. If you've, you've got enough creative time, then you can actually focus on that. But yeah, get to your seven levels, make that your one thing, and then go from there. I love that, man. Thank, yeah, and it's it, absolutely. And it's such a cool way to look at it too is because – when you get to that seventh level and it's the one thing, right, that you that you just said, that one thing, the only person that's going to be able to stop you from doing that one thing is the man in the mirror, right? An example that I saw in a book recently was separating the mission versus the goal, right? And the interesting part was, if you just look at Mother Teresa as a person, and if her goal was to become a doctor right there's a lot of things that could prevent her from doing that right you have to go through a lot of standardized testing you have to spend a lot of time at residency and do all of these things right but because her mission was to help the sick and poor nobody could have stopped her from doing that except herself she didn't have to be a doctor to do it she didn't have to have some title so by getting to that seventh level it removes any of those arbitrary titles that we create in society where others can control if we can succeed or not. 
it yeah. literally just boils down to am i going to do this or am i not i love that um mother Teresa, gandhi nelson mandela yeah yeah three great examples of missions right. in life you know and yeah the goal wasn't anything else they just focus on their mission and, and they achieve that um so i know again as we just allude to in relation to time it, it's gone yep. relatively quickly <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> which kidding has been, which has been awesome chat um what i like to finish off with is just a, a simple question which is you know uh what, what would be you know i know we've talked about a lot and, and it's really a hard question but you know what's a a message that you you know based on your experience and where you've been that you might want to put out to to, to men and women out there but you know, this is predominantly focused on men you know learning to go it's okay to be vulnerable you know what's something that you would put out there to the men for them to, to have a think about that's uh <laughs> but the one thing to put out there man um I would say, so I came across this recently and it was a question that had me in deep thought for a long time. And it was, if someone saw all of your actions today, what would they think that you cared about? And that really took me a long time to process because when we set up all of these systems and create these habits and make all of these great changes, it's really easy not to do those small things. It's really easy to like, I could say that, yes, I'm, I'm in the process of getting in better shape. I'm in the process of having a better marriage. I'm in the process of improving my golf game, right? Insert whatever it is that, that you're working on, but yet on a daily basis, there's been days where I haven't exhibited anything or I haven't acted upon anything that would net a good result in that. Actually, sometimes the opposite. Maybe I might have a couple pieces of candy. Maybe I might not even pick up a golf club that day. Right. So think about when for the men out there that are trying to and are improving themselves is if you just filter through at a point where you might seem that you are at a an impasse or you're struggling to make a decision to propel you forward is put your brain through that filter is if someone was watching all of my actions today what would they actually think that i cared about awesome what a great way to finish up um yeah that that's I'm going to apply that myself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's why I love getting you know, like yourself and others on here because, you know, um, for me, it's just not a recording of a podcast. I, I learn so much and I get a, a, you know, a great experience and a great conversation and there's nuggets dropping for me all the time. I quickly have to go write this down over here and uh, see what I can do. Like, so, likewise, I got my <laughs> notebook right here. <laughs> So, so yeah, for all those who are interested, if you want to do a podcast and get one-on-one -on -one coaching at the same time, yeah, <laughs> jump, exactly. on the, jump on the jewel today or jump onto this because we'll get that opportunity to share some stuff out. So yeah, there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Tyler, it's been great reconnecting with you again. Um, same. Yeah, it's, it's really been cool getting back with having the podcast and sitting on, on the host side of the chair and, you know. I'm, I'm positive as I go through the year, it'll be like, hey, time to reconnect back with you guys again. Um, and maybe yeah. next time I get you and Nico as a as a co. I wanted to get both of you as individuals first because I do see you as that, even though you do a great yeah. job on that. So it's been awesome. Um, thanks for all your time. Thanks for your wisdom and sharing that with us today. And um, I'm wishing you uh, you all the best. Yeah, same to you, Stephen. I appreciate the time. It's uh, It's been an honor to, to be here and be able to share. No worries, man. Take care. Have a great night. Cheers. See ya. You too. Hey, all. So, uh, what an awesome chat with with Tyler. Um, just knew we'd go to all the all the great places where we would actually chat to. Um, I, on the podcast with, with Tyler, just quickly, one of the things that he raised, which I love because he, he works at um, golf courses and everything else, and you know, after work, everyone would go and have a beer. And he said to one of his colleagues one day, going, why do you have a beer? And his colleague goes, well, that's just what we do. And, uh, and Tyler pretty much asked the question, so if the habit around the golf course was that everyone actually had ginger beer or had some sort of soda after golf, um, what would you do? He goes, well, that's probably what I would do. That's what we do because that was the social norm that you would actually do. And I think that's something really, that was really powerful that sat with me, which is like, let's question everything. Are we doing something because over 
hundreds or whatever years there's been built up a certain social norm around something. What happens is someone at some point in time changed that decision and created a new social norm. And the, the thing is, that could be you. You could be the person that actually decides from now on at a golf course or after work or whatever else, we're actually going to go and have sodas and we're going to go and have health food or we're going to go on a yoga retreat. We're not going to go on a binge weekend. Like you can be the catalyst that can start to change these social norms as you go through. So um, I'm always enlightened when I have that chat with Tyler. Um, so that's pretty much it. As you know, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook. Definitely taking expressions of interest for my eight-week program it's coming up if if you are really struggling as a man then let's reach out and have a bit of a chat Um, I'm open you can book any time any man that wants to a 45 minute free call with me and we can just sit down and see where you're at and that there's no commitment to buying any programs it's just me doing what I can to help you out so that's a wrap now for episode 57 of the Unearthed Man podcast sending you much love and peace Stephen